Whoa, 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 Why y'all so happy? And you don't know? Charvette Mitchell is on the radio. It's time to get motivated, excited, and influenced. Why? It's the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, live from Richmond, Virginia. And now, here to motivate, excite, and influence you, Charvette, Charvette Mitchell. Well, hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, broadcasting from the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, but heard all across the world, wide web. Yep, 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 yep. We are glad to have you joining us here today. All of those that are coming in from Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and our broadcast stations and those that listen from iTunes and our mobile app, we appreciate you. Joining us here for another edition of the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. As you know, the goal of the show, the goal of the show is to motivate, excite, and influence. And listen, we're going to do that today with our guest that's hanging out um, with us. We're going to be bringing her on air momentarily. Listen, this is what we want you to do. Jump on all of your social media sites and say, hey, you need to come Check out the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, and you need to check it out right, right now. Um, and I want to say hi to those that are hanging out on the phone lines. We see you. Thank you so much uh, for being there. And shout out to all of my friends in Maryland. We just wrapped up the last stop of the uh, pop-up workshop tour uh, that took place, and um, we're really excited for all of the people that we met in Atlanta, Raleigh, and Maryland, and yep, all roads lead to Richmond, Virginia, uh, December 7th and 8th. So let's go ahead and jump right on in to today's segment. I have had the opportunity to be uh, connected by way of social media uh, to this dynamic young lady, but I've got to give a shout-out to Michelle Smith who um, inboxed me one day, and she was like, you you got to hear this this lady. you got to hear her. She is so uh, dynamic and prolific. And, um, and so that was the initial kind of, hey, send the friend request, and then had the opportunity to meet her in person um, in, at an event here in Richmond not too long ago. And I posted on Facebook. And so those of you that are following, you already know who I am talking about. Yawande Austin, uh, I am telling you what, from MTV to the historic Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, Yawande's socially charged music has taken center stage with musical icons from the Black Eyed Peas to Maroon 5. But it is her work as an award-winning lecturer and social activist and honorary U.S. cultural ambassador that has really become her greatest achievement. Listen, she's a 2018 African woman in leadership, woman of worth, and uh, recognized, honored 2017 President Barack Obama's Lifetime Achievement Award honoree. recognized internationally as an expert in strategic diversity, leadership, uh, and much, much more. And we're bringing up to the mic right now, live on the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, Yawande Austin. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Charvette. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I know that you um, are you travel extensively, so I am so excited yeah. that we grabbed a little bit of your time. Are you in the States or are yeah. you abroad right now? I am finally back in the States, and thanks so much for your patience over the past couple of months. I was in Nigeria at, at one point in July uh, building a village and uh, then headed off to the Congo uh, where I had an opportunity to work with the U.S. State Department again. 
So I know it hasn't been easy <laughs> trying to make this happen. Well, we made it happen. And that, <laughs> we did. We that did. is what, <laughs> that, that's what's important. So I'd love to back up a little bit and just talk about um, the music side. And so when did you first mm. realize, you know, that you had a musical gift or that the, the music bug bit you? Yeah. Well, for me, I think my love of music came from childhood like it did for most of us. Music is not only an international language. It really was the first identifiable language before we had English or an alphabet system. Um, Music is just that way to communicate in ways that words alone normally fail us. And most of us undervalue the power and influence of music, which I can get into a little bit later on from a scientific perspective as to why we have such a a natural connection um, to creative expression. But for me, I think it really began with poetry. Even as a young child, I was fascinated by the works of Langston Hughes in particular. Uh, And as many people have heard me say in my TED Talk about being that weird kid that was always in a closet and uh, reading poetry and writing music and crafting this plan, I was definitely that kid. And one of the things I did in that closet was read the works of Langston Hughes. I was deeply moved by um, the way that he crafted words and the visual story that he told that really planted the first seeds of my hope to even travel the world, to travel specifically to Africa. The Negro Speaks of Rivers um, was the poem that sparked that idea that I, too, not only had a voice, um, but one that descended from a very great, great place that I hope to venture one day. And also music. I remember him writing a couple of poems about music that really sparked my interest early on. A little bit later wow. on, my mother um, made me take piano lessons like a lot of us, and uh-huh. I didn't want to. <laughs> I'm I, raising I wasn't, my hand. I wasn't ex- <laughs> All right, right. I wasn't exactly the astute student who practiced diligently like she was supposed to every single day at the piano, but eventually I did find this profound connection to piano and to use it as an outlet. I was that kid that didn't always fit, and somehow music was just always that uh, friend and that confidant that I could run to. And then much later discovered from my love of piano that I actually had a voice to go along with it. So my love of the arts has been in evolution, but I can say one that opened up an entire world to me of what was possible um, by finding my voice, not only artistically, but how I could use my gifts and talents to change the world. Well, I think that is so profound, finding your voice and how that music was a stepping stone and really uh, breadcrumbs, I call it, along the way. And so Mm -hmm. you you refer to the music as socially charged. Kind of describe what that means to you. Mm. Well, you know, the first people that really inspired me to be a voice for change um, were the, the stories, came from the stories that I read of Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth. I refer to them quite a bit in any of my work internationally because 
it is the truth. My inspiration for who I could be in the world came from the stories of those that um, overcame much greater obstacles than what we have to face today. And um, as I learned more about music and how the Negro spiritual, for example, was used as a, a tool of freedom and even communication on the plantation and along that path to breaking loose those chains of oppression, I eventually started learning about great artists who became activists through their craft as well, like Marian Anderson and Leontine Price, um, uh, Josephine Baker, who used dance and her body as a way to actually integrate audiences where uh, where she performed. And so as I came across these great artists who used their creative platform as a way to confront social injustice, I knew very early on not only did I want to be someone that could change the world, um, like these great pioneers that I read about and and uh, saw uh, in the theater and on the stage, but that I wanted to use my craft to affect change. So what that means is as a uh, what I would call an alternative soul artist, um, I intentionally use my music to confront injustices uh, around the world. And so all too often I think that today we find that artists use their platform to activate change when stuff happens instead of waiting uh, to jump on a bandwagon when stuff happens. <laughs> um, I have always been very conscious about using my music um, to address these issues before, um, to, to teach people ways not only of, of raising awareness about ourselves and how sometimes we become very complacent uh, with the power that we have to affect change, but also to uh, plant seeds of hope and inspiration for those who are in the midst of some of the darkest challenges that you could possibly possibly imagine a human being has to endure. Um, so my very first song I remember writing, Rufus, about a homeless man that I met on a train uh, it went, um, saw Rufus on the train standing 6.5. He was tainted and rags with hope in his eyes. Looked like he could be a star, but you know how looks are. And it goes on to the chorus. Hold on to that oh, train, wow. Rufus. Don't know what's in store for you. Hold on to that car, Rufus. Know your time is coming through, so just hold on, oh, oh, hold on to the memories of your life when it was so damn good. So those messages that we can impart on a fellow human being that you've not been forsaken and your life has value. How can we do that effectively and in ways that uh, sometimes surpass money that can get us to every corner of the globe and, and the ability to get to programs to every corner of the globe, I can do it through music. Um, and so that's, that's how I've decided to use my music as a platform for good. Wow, and beautiful voice, beautiful there. Well, Listeners, you didn't even know you were going to get that, that nugget right there. That was a surprise. <laughs> Yawande <laughs> uh, Austin, for those that are just tuning in and coming in, you're checking out the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. Uh, and so thank you for that, and thank you for sharing that. And so it was really, uh, you know, a natural progression then it seems like that, you know, your your life's work is really around social activism. So the music mm -hmm. really just 
kind of folded right on in for you to do bigger and, and broader things. And so That's talk right. a little bit about just, you know, the social activism side and, and really, you know, where your life work is now. Mm. Uh, strangely enough, I think I was born to be an activist. And most <laughs> young people um, ask me, you know, how how did you know that's what you wanted to do? And um, I, it, typically I tell them, you know. You know who you were meant to be in this world from the time that you're very, very young. You just don't know how it's going to manifest itself. What exactly does that look like? Um, but activism started for me as young as seven and eight years old when I was defending five and six year olds um, from bullies on the playground. And of course I got myself beaten up a time or two, but I was always able to catch my breath. I really was that kid. What a weirdo. But um, I, I really always felt strongly committed to doing what was right. I don't know why, but I, you know, God makes us in different ways and that's just always who I was. Um, not until I was probably in my teens Still on this yeah. journey of discovering who I was, did I uh, understand the importance of marching and of social justice movements? Uh, I remember my mom taking me to march against uh, against apartheid. I'm sorry, South African apartheid when I was just around 11 or 12, and being scared to death because yeah. all of the stories that I had read about the civil rights movement meant that for me to stand against injustice surely meant that I would be killed um, or at the very least that I would be attacked by dogs or police. And I found that peace movements were just as important as any other ways that we can activate change in our community. And I wasn't hurt that day. And that gave me the courage and confidence to explore other ways that I could activate change in, in my community. So activism, I think, has always been in my blood. It's something I've always been passionate about. And later on, I discovered, uh, again, this connection between music and activism and creative ways that I could not only empower vulnerable communities with the tools that they need to break the cycle of poverty and, and, and oppression, but also remind them of their worth, give them the tools that they need not only to fight injustice, but also how to be more uh, sufficient uh, financially and socially in their communities. So since 2006 now, I've produced programs in 18 countries around the world. Um, Twelve of them have been across the continent of Africa. I've also produced programs across Europe, um, as well as Latin America. Uh, we primarily, the Change Rocks Foundation, I'm sorry, my humanitarian organization, primarily works with vulnerable youth, uh, namely trafficking yeah. victims, um, orphans, um, and more recently working with internally displaced people. We're working with Boko Haram conflict survivors in Nigeria, where we're building a village as well. Um, but we also work with adults. And, and families, as we're finding specifically in Nigeria, that the family unit, uh, empowering the family unit, is as critical as empowering the, the young minds that will one day lead this world. Uh, because sadly, uh, billions of people live in abject poverty still today. And what that means is that mm -hmm. children very quickly um, become currency if their families don't have the resources they need to survive. So we have moved very quickly into making sure we empower the whole family. The um, whole and that, family. That, yeah. yeah, 
That's right. And and so that takes form in leadership programs, um, girls and women's empowerment programs, and social, uh, I'm sorry, social entrepreneurship training as well. Uh, because what we've found is that um, vulnerable people, while they are often undervalued and underestimated in their abilities to be productive members of society, their intellectual capacity is enormous. So while they may never um, pursue an advanced education because of uh, lack of access to finances, that shouldn't get in the way of them being able to provide for their families and affect change in their communities through entrepreneurship. Wow, so wow, wow. That is that is amazing and commendable. And so, um, listeners, you definitely want to connect with a Change Rocks uh, Foundation. How can they? What's the best way for them to do that? They can do that one of two ways: either to go directly to my website at www.changerocksrocksfoundation.com, or to go to my Facebook page, um, uh, which is listed under under the same name. And we value any input and, and contributions that people do have to make. Absolutely, absolutely. Change rocks. So just like you've been watching listeners, black girls rock, <laughs> all you know, so you got the rock <laughs> in your head, though. <laughs> Change rocks <laughs> right right, Change right there rocks, for you. Right. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and so international travel, and you, so you mentioned all of the countries you've been able to, uh, you and your organization have been able to impact and have programs. And what have you learned <laughs> Just from traveling internationally, any any aha moments you can share? Oh my gosh, there's so many, Charvette. You don't have enough time on air today for me to share all of them. But I would say a couple of things that I've learned that are really, really important in my international travels. Number one is that we're all the same. Society does mm-hmm. such a good job of convincing us that we're so vastly different from each other. Um, And when it comes to race, ethnicity, education, and financial resources, of course, there are differences. But at the end of the day, um, a young mother, a single mother who is struggling to survive in New York City or even right here in Richmond, believe it or not, has the same needs, fears, and concerns as a mother that lives in a a village um, in, in Africa. I'll I took um, a book, Kaylee's Best Day, that was written by uh, one of our local teachers and um, academic administrators here, um, Ashley Jackson Hewitt, uh, recently with me to Nigeria. And I read this children's book not only to the children that will one day live in my village, but the mothers as well. And as we discussed the connection between the story of this little girl in the book and the lives that these children that have been disconnected from their families in northern Nigeria, whose families have been slaughtered and whose villages have been destroyed, um, the mothers not only said, you know, I want my child to be like you one day, but that I want my child to have that same sense of curiosity and wonder and pursue their dreams, just like Kaylee in this story. The human story is not that different. So we've got to get away from this idea that 
because there's an issue that doesn't affect us directly, then it's not our problem. and We can't make a difference wherever we are. Everybody is not right. going to make it to Africa, although I think everybody should, <laughs> at least once. <laughs> Everybody's not going to make it to Africa. Everybody's not going to be an activist like me or be, um, be an educator, but we can still activate change where we are. We can do it in our jobs. Yeah. Uh, we can we can do it in academic settings to make sure that that our youth have equitable access to education uh, and that employees are treated equitably. We can change the fabric of our communities right where we are. Um, so that would be the first lesson. The human story is the same pretty much anywhere you go. And I must say, the greatest yeah. lessons I've ever learned from anybody in my travels have not been presidents that I've served or um, oil executives or uh, the heads of NGOs or even government agencies. The most important lessons I've learned in the world have come from those that have been deemed voiceless and forgettable. Um, They've taught me the greatest lessons. The second thing I would say is that in our current political climate in this country, my God, I never realized (laughs) how important the U.S. was to the world, how much people look to us to uh, lead the charge when it comes not only to a democracy, but um, identity as well. From the time that the um, last race took place, Uh, leading up to the election, during the election, and after. I happen to be in African nations during each part of that process. And I can't tell you how many times I had a chief confront me saying, what is wrong with you people? (laughs) How are you voting for this man? Or mm-hmm. even to hear from somebody in an African nation, I won't mention that country in this particular moment, who said, you know, I love that guy, 45. I'm not going to say his name on your show. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. he's wealthy and he gets away with all mm-hmm. these things and he says what he wants and, oh, he's so funny. And me being shocked that, oh, my God, this is not even about race alone. It is a mindset um, that he has tapped into that resonates either positively or negatively around the world. Or the person behind a cheese country in, in Kenya, I can tell you, who said, you better vote for mama. You know, are you registered to vote? It is so important how not only we are seen around the world and the standard that we set, but the leadership that we choose never knew how very important it was until this last election. Now, certainly when President Obama was in office, every village I went to in Africa, um, after the children followed me around, the very next question was always, do you know Obama? (laughs) Yes, no. (laughs) Uh, You know, we're not, you know, bosom buddies or anything like that. But um, Right. And so I was aware of it then, but never really understood the importance of how we are perceived until this last election. Absolutely. I have a a friend who was traveling abroad, working abroad as Mm -hmm. well during Mm -hmm. uh, during that and was getting the same types of reactions. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Although I didn't hear her say anyone said they liked 45, but she was definitely getting. I just just about fell out my seat when I heard that one. But yeah, yeah. This is the demographic that he apparently appeals to internationally um, because I have met some others in African nations since then who say, oh, it's not that bad, and he's wealthy, and he's a businessman, and it's time for the U.S. to take a different direction. It's fascinating. Really 
fascinating. It's really? <laughs> so, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, we don't quite feel that way, but everybody is entitled right. to their opinion. However, they we also sure know the are. damage that can be done. Yeah, we also know directly how, how much damage can be done and how much has already been done. And um, already. Um, But I'm also very, very hopeful, and, and this was not a part of your question, but I am, I must say, for the record, very hopeful for this country because I think what this last election taught us is that we cannot afford only to use mm-hmm. our voices in times of trouble, but that we've always got to show up in some way be present, you know, make contributions wherever you can with the resources that you have. We're all responsible for getting into this mess, and now we see our responsibilities in getting out of it. Absolutely, absolutely. I concur, and which I think is a really a great segue to talk about um, diversity and inclusion and some of the work that you do definitely in that strategic diversity leadership, uh, I think that yeah. we um, we hope to see more of that diversity yeah. and inclusion yeah. within our government and locally. And But we yeah. can start with us. And so how is that and why is diversity and inclusion important for leaders and organizations? You know, that's very simple to me. And it, it it's because it's the right thing to do. Uh, some of the greatest movements historically have always been led by diverse voices um, and very often by the voices of those who have been counted out who have been undervalued because of our differences, but it's because of our differences that we are truly able to affect sustainable change. Um, And I think we're seeing that happen once again in this political climate where not only women, but women of color are rising to the top in leadership positions and in pursuing um, some of these roles that have been by and large led by older white men Mm -hmm. and we are beginning to reclaim our voice and understanding that some of the greatest movements that have taken place have also been led by not only people of color but by women Um, women have always been the fabric of society not only do we give birth to the world but we have this natural ability for example to mediate to lead to moderate to multitask to use our emotions in ways that can make sense out of absolute nonsense, which is what we're seeing happen in our government right now. Yes. Um, and so I think that's it's, it's a great reason why so many of us as women of color are now assuming uh, these positions. We know what it, what it means to be considered a double minority, as I would say in contrast that we are very much triple threats. Um, and so um, – Diversity is the fabric of uh, not only any movement, but in any organization. And I think for far too long, when it comes especially to uh, corporations that see, that consider those with the bigger degrees from the bigger schools and, and even sadly based on physical stature, that there are men and older white men that have been in these leadership positions while they certainly have a set of qualifications that have led them to those positions, we all too often undervalue those in positions of support that also have significant ideas uh, and creative solutions to everyday problems. We're we're not utilizing uh, those in positions of support the way we should. And this is where diversity steps in. And that is to teach especially those in leadership positions that every voice 
matters and that the the greatest ability to solve solutions happens within the context of representing and celebrating the diverse voices that make the whole organization work. Um, so it's just doing the right wow. thing, make, making sure doing that we do value right. every single voice and bring them to the table. Value every voice. And, and I think that that is not just for the, you know, the big top dog. That's for right. entry level, you know, mid-management, supervisor, right. you know, that's every right. level. Mm-hmm. Every level. And so in your opinion, how can listeners just get involved, more involved, whether that is, you know, international missions or, um, you know, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter or diversity and inclusion? What are a few things you'd say to listeners that are, that are just saying, I just want to get involved? Yeah, that is use your voice. Every single one of us, I believe, were born into this world with a unique gift, talent, that most of us are sitting on. Um, we mm-hmm. spend a whole lot of time thinking about everything that could go wrong if we open our voice um, and if we um, choose to act on the issues that get us angry and, and frustrated yeah. instead of thinking about the, the many ways that change can take place if we just take a step out. What that means is that within your companies, if you feel that um, there are voices that are being overlooked and undervalued, starting a group where you have can create an open forum, uh, a safe space and an open forum for those voices to be heard um, and to find the strength and the abilities that each one of us have, but some, sometimes we need to be reminded um, and mm-hmm. you need safe spaces to do that. If it means within your community, um, my gosh, there's another local organization, um, Fountain Foundation, Hassan Fountain, has now built over 11 libraries, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if you're listening, Hassan. I'm probably a little off with that. But he's built (laughs) 11 libraries in some of the uh, most underserved communities across Richmond and the state of Virginia with his own resources. These libraries don't have to rival a Richmond public library or, or any other community to know that we have to start somewhere and, and planting seeds of change happen through education and through reading for our children. And so in these learning centers or even community centers in underserved communities a, across the state of Virginia, where are children going for a safe place to be? Um, why not create a library there where they go to play but where they can also read some of the stories that, that sparked my curiosity and my passion for change yeah. as a young child right, right there. So we can do it in very small ways. Uh, change doesn't always begin in large movements. It starts from a very small, small space. It also takes place in, um, in leadership positions. Sometimes we get into these leadership positions as people that represent diverse and marginalized communities, and we think we have to play it safe to keep our jobs instead of using those positions to open up doors for others to affect change, to make sure that we equal uh, the playing field for everybody and open new opportunities for those that otherwise may not have access um, to some of these employment opportunities. So it happens where you are. Uh, but most yeah. importantly, I think that, that activism and change begins with you. And so we are, are as I started this out, um, saying 
often sitting on gifts and talents that we don't use. And if you are not using those gifts and talents to move the needle a little bit more to the right, then you're just as much a part of the problem. So start with where you are and use your gifts and talents to do good, and the rest will happen in time. The rest will happen in time. And as I heard uh, Allison Bird uh, say, who was a, a uh, mm-hmm. online strategy, business strategist, that might have stung a little bit, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. If, it, if that stung <laughs> a little bit, then that's, that's awareness. And so, um, gosh, our time is up. Uh, I'd love for you to just um, just share final connection points, websites, social media of where um, listeners can just continue to, to connect with you. Sure. Um, on Facebook, you can get me at Yawande Austin or Change Rocks Foundation. You can also hit me on Instagram at official Yawande and go to my website. My humanitarian website is www.changerocksfoundation.com and for capacity building programs, diversity, leadership, social entrepreneurship, and the like, you can get me at www. That global institute for change.com. All right, wonderful. I am so excited that we had an opportunity to um, hear you so gracious um, with your time and with all that you're doing and just enlightening us. And so thank you for stopping by the virtual studio. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate your support. Oh, you're quite welcome. You are quite welcome. All right, listeners, that is going to be a wrap for today. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. As always, we appreciate those listening in. Live from Richmond, Virginia, you've been listening to the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. Catch Charvette Mitchell every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Interviewing all the stars you want to hear from. So until next week, stay motivated, excited, and influenced. This is the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show.